I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program is Mr. Gabe Zickerman talking about gamification by design. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. causes some applications to be more engaging than others. Why are we drawn to using them and reusing them over and over again? Well, it may be because of gamification. And how can it be used to improve any application? Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is Mr. Gabe Zickerman. Mr. Zickerman is author, public speaker, serial entrepreneur, and foremost expert on the subject of gamification. Author of Game-Based Marketing and the Gamification Blog, his new release, Gamification by Design, Implicating Game Mechanics in Web and Mobile Apps. And he joins us today to discuss this uh, very fascinating topic. Uh, Mr. Zickerman, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It's really our pleasure, and this is really a fascinating book, but I'm curious if maybe you can first explain just exactly what is gamification. Sure. Well, gamification, simply put, is the use of game thinking and game mechanics to engage audiences and solve problems. Another way of thinking about it is it's, it's about taking the best ideas from games and using them in context that we don't normally think of games being applied. I see. And so what are the features or qualities of, of games that people use then in other contexts? Well, broadly speaking, people generally think of gamification manifesting itself in one of two different ways. Either something like experience in a context that you're not used to, like, for example, um, in uh, reducing your carbon footprint or improving education, or something that looks more like a loyalty program, so something involving points and rewards and levels, both of which share some things very much in common, and that notionally is this concept of game design um, and behavioral economics. But fundamentally, they manifest themselves in one of those two ways. And most companies or organizations that are making use of gamification today are looking to use it in one of two broad ways, either one, focused on their end consumers or end users, or two, focused on their employees or their internal teams. And, you know, this runs the gamut of, you know, behavior change, creating engagement, you know, uh, marketing or selling new ideas, um, and also creating innovation. So it's really being used in, in just about every corner of the economy today with, with great effect. And the idea is just to make applications just more engaging? Well, generally speaking, the concept is to change behavior. That's that's the ultimate objective. We're trying to change some behavior. And usually in this case we mean human behavior, of course. And usually we mean, you know, behavior that we're interested in changing. So if it's a company thinking about its customers, it's you know, usually takes the form of buy more products or recommend us to more people. And if it's, you know, focused on or, or you know, buy less products in the case of let's say uh you know, reducing people's carbon footprint. In the uh, scenario where we're talking about, you know, employees or other kind of non 
business-oriented engagement, you know, it's things like learn more or produce more ideas or, you know, help other people. So those are all the kinds of things that were definitely behaviorally driven, really. So usually the metrics that we look to act on are things like the recency, frequency, virality, duration, or ratings uh, around a particular application or or product engagement between a, between a human and a system. Um, and that's that's really the like the essence in gamification is trying to figure out what behaviors you want to change and then building a uh, game-like experience that helps make that happen. And so what is it about the quality of games in general then that are so useful for modifying behavior? Well, that's a great question. And actually, I'm going to take one quick step back, though, and point out that broadly speaking, part of the reason why gamification has been so successful or games are so successful at changing behavior is that the vast majority of people's interactions in the world today are really pretty fracking boring. Um, you know, if we really break down every little interaction that we have with every product, service, system, you know, person, most of our lives are pretty humdrum and they're pretty boring. The truth is we can interject, we can introduce, we can nuance or massage all of these interactions in a way that makes them fun um, using these concepts from games, using gamification, and thus immediately improve the sort of level of engagement between users. Our whole, our whole lives can be made more fun in ways that are incremental um, today, and you know, that's a great deal of, a, of the prospect. But what it is about games and game concepts that, that provides the vast majority of the excitement and, and creates the majority of the engagement is really that games and gamification by extension are focused on understanding the core motivation of people and designing systems and experiences that help based on that core motivation that are intrinsically and extrinsically rewarding to somebody based on your core motivation. And that's really different from how most product services or interactions are designed. Um, most of them are designed to facilitate a like kind of business objective or utility objective, like this ATM is here to give you money, and it's cheaper than a teller, right? So ATMs come into being. They have better features than a teller. But what human motivation, what intrinsic desire, expectation, point of excitement or fear can an ATM instigate in a human? That would be more the gamification a way of thinking about things. Would you say that the typical approach is provide more extrinsic motivators, say, rather than deep-rooted intrinsic motivators, or both? Yeah, we really deal with both. Yeah. Yeah, we really deal with both all the time, right? A good, a good system is oriented around the user's intrinsic motivation and then uses extrinsic rewards and motivation to prod and encourage and cajole and sometimes, you know, uh, orient the user's behavior in the right way. Um, I think it's the, the interplay of both of those ideas, and just for clarity, you know, intrinsic motivation is something that we're, you know, where we're motivated to do something just, you know, for the love of it itself. And an intrinsic motivator is something that comes from the outside and that uh, we either seek to uh, do or avoid as a result. And the complex interplay of both is necessary in order to be able to do it. Like, let's go back to that ATM for a second. So in the classic product design view of an ATM, it serves a simple utility function, right? It's there to give you money, and it's cheaper for the bank than a teller has open 24 hours a day, right? Those are its utilities. That's its function. But from an emotional standpoint, the ATM has a lot more going on. Like when you walk up to them, you may or may not know how much money is in your bank account, right? You may be fearful that the amount of money that you take out may not, may not actually be there. 
or that the balance after you take that money out may be too low for the next transaction that's about to come in, right? Or it may represent a recent success that you had, a deal or bonus or whatever. When you look at that number at the bottom of your, you know, your slip, it's the you know huge success that you just had. Fundamentally, money is a fundamentally emotional experience for most people. It's not purely rational. So in gamified design, we seek to unpack what that like emotional state is of the user and then give them an experience that helps amplify that, that helps move them in the right direction, um, you know, that helps create value, engagement, excitement, enthusiasm for everyone. Does an ATM really need to be a more engaging experience than its pure utilitarian purpose? No, it doesn't need to be any more engaging. Obviously, it works perfectly well today. Serviceable and banks make billions of dollars in fees without any you know, input from gamification. But the, but the question that we would ask is, why shouldn't it be more fun? Why, why can't things in the world be more engaging and fun? What's wrong with you know, fun and engagement? And more to the point, as the world shifts to become a more gamified place overall, companies, organizations, governments, school systems are finding that gamification provides a point of differentiation and a point of customer attraction or engagement. So for the first mover, for businesses you know, interested in um, leveraging these techniques to create new kinds, of, uh, new kinds of connections with their customers, obviously leveraging these techniques um, you know, will produce value for them in the short term. It's all about you know, new customer acquisition. So does an ATM have to be more fun? No. Um, could it be more fun? Absolutely. Is there downside to that? <clears throat> Probably not that much. That's our view. Taking it to the uh, extremes, uh, if everybody gamified, then gamification would just be the norm and it would no longer be novel. But as, but there's a long-term system of design, a long-term design vision. It's, it's sort of like saying, you know, uh, can people make products, you know, design more elegantly, more beautifully, um, you know, more compactly, more efficiently over time. And the answer is, you know, there's no maximum point of beautiful design, just as there's no maximum point of fun or engagement. Like, I love to play video games, but I've never had a single video game experience in which I've been like, oh, yeah, you know what, this is the most amount of fun I could ever possibly have. This is it. This is it. We've reached 100. You can't go any further. What aspects of game mechanics, game design, do you think can be implemented in, in various applications? Well, the simplest and most thinking, you know, like sort of lean forward um, concept is to provide users with essential feedback about their actions. So most systems in the world, be complicated systems, are after the user's progress towards mastery. That's one of the core concepts in, in game design in general, is that complicated systems uh, have a, a notion of mastery in them that users try to master, and that's part of the fun and engagement that, that people impute into a complicated system. So uh, part of what most complicated systems in life don't do very well is they don't provide users with great feedback. And something that games do super well is provide you with instantaneous feedback that you can use to correct uh, your current experience. That's a big, big difference between games and other design systems. So um, the first things that we generally do is look for to provide users with feedback to help them guide their actions along the way, um, you know, from A to Z. Uh, and you can see some of that examples, you know, some of my favorite examples are in the uh, workplace environment for that. And so there are these two companies are just, they form uh, interesting data points. One is called Ripple, R-Y-P-P-L-E, and another one is called Prop, D-U-E-P-R-O-P-S. And they're both gamified uh, platforms designed to help make the process of giving feedback in the workplace more real-time, more engaging, and more fun. 
if you've ever worked for a company where you've gotten reviews, you've known that once a year your manager begrudgingly writes this long-form review and you either get a raise or you don't. And for most people, between those year intervals, you don't get a ton of feedback. And you certainly don't get a ton of direct feedback from your, your colleagues or your peers. You might get it from your manager. So what do props and Ripple have done is they've taken that and turned that into a real-time feedback and virtual reward system so you can reward people, your peers, your subordinates, your managers with positive feedback and virtual items in real time to tell them whether, you know, tell them that you like the things that they're doing or, or not, as the case may be. And the point there is to, you know, bring this game concept of, of positive positively engaged feedback loops into an environment that historically has been, you know, really absent for that, and that's most people's working lives. And, you know, the examples of this kind of thing abound, but feedback loop is um, is one of the core game mechanics that we often talk about. I, here's the thing. You don't, you know, in many systems in life, we don't get any positive feedback at all. Um, and the truth is everybody could use a little more positive feedback. Uh, one of my favorite examples of the power of positive feedback is a concept called speed camera lottery. And this was part of a, a competition designed by a guy named Kevin Richardson. Um, speed camera lottery really turns the concept of those, you know, auto, of those car speeding cameras on its head. Um, you know, the, you know those speeding cameras that take your picture basically if you exceed the speed limit. Uh, they're pretty much a global scourge. They're all over the place. They send you a ticket in the mail. So in Sweden, uh, as in many of the Nordic countries, the ticket that you get for speeding at the camera is not based on uh, how fast you were going at the intervention point, but on uh, how much money you make. So the more money you make, the bigger the ticket is. And so Kevin's design for speeding camera lottery, speed camera lottery, instead of uh, you, know, you drive by the speeding camera and you're speeding and it takes your picture and sends you a ticket in the mail, anybody who drives by the speeding camera at or below the speed limit is automatically entered into a lottery to win the proceeds of the people who speed. So the concept is the speeding camera now becomes a point of positive reinforcement for people. You drive by it, and it gives you a big thumbs up, actually, on the speed camera. It gives you a big thumbs up. You are inside the speed limit, and you get entered into this lottery to win. So guess what? Changing the big, negative, private, reinforced speeding the uh, speeding camera system and turning it into a drip-wise, positive, incremental speed camera system has done. It reduces speeding at the intervention point by 20%. That kind of behavior change has been literally impossible, totally elusive for every other kind of intervention. And in the United States, that kind of a behavior change would result in literally thousands of people's lives being saved from accidents every year caused by speeding. It is a tremendous behavior change, and it's core to the concept of gamification and what we talk about in gamification by design. We often seek to find ways to make experiences positive and incremental and part of a continuous feedback loop instead of negative and drawn out you know, and not really connected to the user. And speeding cam speed camera lottery is a great example of those core concepts. Again, focusing on the rewarding and the positive aspects. Yeah, in general, you know, one of the interesting kind of conundrums about game design and gamification as well is that one of the main values that games provide is the opportunity to fail in a safe way. So, you know, in general, and this is, you know, failure is a great learning experience, and in most video games, your character can die 
and you know, no direct harm happens to you and your character dies and you say, okay, cool, let's start again. And you regen and you start again. And most games are designed to allow you to restart your character kind of know even where you left off. So there's almost no penalty for failure um, in so many uh, video game contexts. Now, in real life, that's actually really hard for us to do. So one of the things that's happened is in the um, gamification context is, in general, we try to design ex gamified experiences that are almost exclusively positive. So rather than being negatively reinforced behaviors, they're positively reinforced behaviors and where you incentivize a user to follow a particular path that you want them to. It turns out positive reinforcement works way better than negative reinforcement. That's just a <laughs> reality. And most of us live in lives where we just don't get a ton of positive reinforcement. So, you know, whenever you do that um, in a gamified system, you get a, you know, tremendous kind of positive bump out of the behavior. And that's one of the core things that we've talked about in, in my book, Gamification by Design, is wherever possible, you know, don't go negative. Reinforce, positively reinforce as much as you possibly can from the very first minute of a user interaction. Uh, how widely adopted do you think these uh, methods are becoming? Well, you know, we're in very early stages today of, of the adoption of gamification broadly. I mean, it's been a very hot topic, you know, certainly in Silicon Valley circles. There's been a tremendous amount of talk about it over just over the last 18 months. But we're in very early stages of gamification's effect on culture and society. But there's just so much excitement about it, you know, in so many different corners, in healthcare and education, um, certainly in marketing and government, um, you know, all of these areas, there's just a lot of excitement about it. And, you know, in some categories like education and healthcare, gamification, you know, is basically the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, help us Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our last hope, um, you know, kind of scenario where if, you know, these techniques don't work, I, I don't know, you know, what techniques will. Um, so people are kind of excited about it because, you know, they've shown tremendous promise in an early stage. Um, and so the next phase is all about taking those ideas and blowing them up and, and making them more scalable and, and more, you know, broad-reaching so they touch every corner of the world and, and um, you know, and industry. But certainly my vision for it and, and what seems to be the case increasingly is that, you know, we will have a chief engagement officer in every single corporation, nonprofit, governmental division, you know, around the country and around the world. And that person's role will be to a great extent to leverage the techniques of gamification to further the organization's objectives. And that's, you know, definitely something that we use as an industry and certainly in gamification by design. And we lay the foundations for being able to accomplish that. But there's, you know, tremendous job market opportunity for people to learn the techniques of gamification and apply that to whatever industry they happen in. I see. And so if people are interested in learning more about the techniques, how would they go about it, given that it's uh, such a new endeavor? Well, you know, Gamification by Design, my book, I mean, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pitching it, but um, it actually is, a, I think, a great resource for it, and, and people generally agree, and it's pretty cost-effective. You can also read a lot about it on my blog, which is at gamification.co. Uh, there's a ton of case studies and great examples, and we link out to lots of videos and um, things from Gamification Summit, which is an event that I put on as well, um, and other. So, so those are those are some ways to get started understanding gamification and and figuring out ways to apply it to your business. The thing that I would say is, you know, in in every corner in every possible way, each one of us. Uh, has the opportunity to create more fun in our lives and in the lives of other people. And I think, you know, I'm I'm excited every single day. I'm humbled and excited by meeting, you know, people from all corners of, of the world uh, who are applying these techniques. And if you've got a great idea for making things fun, you know, by all means, reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, I'm Gabe Zickerman, uh, and you can easily find me, and, and I'd love to hear, you know, the cool ideas for how to make the world more fun using games. 
Well, I think we could all use a little more fun in our lives. Sure. The new book, again, is called uh, Gamification by Design, Implementing Game Mechanics in Web and Mobile Apps. Mr. Zickerman, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you so much. Uh, if you do have a few seconds, we'd like to quickly play our game, the Grokatron 5000. Sure. All right, it's time to play the game, the Grokatron 5000. It is our supercomputer formerly known as Deep Blue. Today, the Grokatron 5000 has chosen the topic, Are They Game? So for the following five individuals, the Grokatron 5000 would like to know if you think they are game or not, and maybe a little reason why. Uh, Mr. Zickerman, ready to play the game? Oh, yeah, Grokatumi. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, person number one, is he game? Jerry Springer. Huh. Uh, Jerry Springer is the original, like, uh, the original sort of sideshow MC. Um, I would say he's probably never picked up a video game in his life, but very few people are better able to understand uh, human motivation and get people to uh, get people riled up. So I, I would say Jerry Springer, yes. All right. Uh, number two, uh, is he game or not? Uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Well, you know, sports, I mean, obviously famous uh Folks in sports are, you know, deal with games, play games almost every single day of their lives, and um, you know, so that's uh, that's an obvious one. The thing that I would say is, and obviously Shaq is a well-known entrepreneur and involved in many different things, but um, you know, I w so I would have to say Shaq is definitely game. Okay, uh, number three, Bill Gates. Wow, I think you know. Funnily enough, Microsoft's Xbox is one of the most successful gaming platforms, but you definitely don't hear Bill, um, you know, talk about the power of games to change the world as much as you would expect him to. So, I would have to say Bill Gates is is not a game. I, his company's obviously done a lot, but he, you know, historically he's not really been the driver of the game strategy at Microsoft. Observation. You no, know, but he's smart enough to change. So you never know. All right, number four, it's uh, the physicist Stephen Hawking. Oh, that's an unfair one, I would say. I, I'd say few people uh, few people in the world are better able to understand game theory and core concepts of math than Stephen Hawking. Um, you know, but in all fairness, I think uh, there are very few games that uh, that Mr. Hawking could actually play actively. So I'd, today, so I would have to say, I'd have to, I don't know, can we give him a, a half game? Is that possible? I think I, I I think we can do that for uh, Professor Hawking there. <laughs> okay, okay. So he gets a, he gets a half game. Okay. Uh, uh, finally, number five uh, is he game or not? It's the President of the United States, Barack Obama. Wow. Um, well, interestingly, the, the U.S. government is the world's single biggest funder of gamified uh, programs and projects. Under the Obama administration, they've actually signed into law about like six hundred million dollars worth of investment in. Uh, gamification in the education system, and as well um, in various like <clears throat> um, congressional projects and uh, various government department projects. So I would I would say the Obama administration has been extremely forward thinking on gamification, and I'd have to say the president is definitely game. Well, if uh, they can make the IRS tax forms more fun, uh, that'll be interesting. <laughs> uh, from your mouth to God's ear. <laughs> All right. Well, Mr. Zickerman, I want to thank you very much for sticking around, playing our game, and again, talking about your uh, fascinating book, Gamification by Design, Implementing Game Mechanics in Web and Mobile Apps. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.